Welcome to The Key, Inside Higher Ed's news and analysis podcast. I'm Doug Letterman, editor of Inside Higher Ed and host of The Key. I'm glad you're here with us. Amazon is the second biggest employer in the United States and one of the country's largest investors in education and training. Last month, the massive retailer announced a plan to spend $1.2 billion by 2025 to expand its employee education and training offerings which include a set of internal programs, but also cover the full cost of academic programs up to bachelor's degrees for its frontline workers. Amazon's approach to education and training is notable, not just because of the big dollar figures attached, but also given the signals that employers like Amazon send about how they view the quality of traditional higher education programs and institutions. In this week's episode of The Key, Amazon's Vice President for Workforce Development, Ardeen Williams, talks about the company's new investments, as well as its relationship with colleges and universities, which she describes as more cooperative than competitive. I'm a big believer that education and upskilling is a team sport. And that means that we all have to have our shoulder to the wheel to make it work. We can actually do the hard work as both employers and educators to say, nope, these are the core critical skills and abilities and how they get delivered is really up to the experts. Williams also discusses her views about the value of a liberal arts education, which may not square with what you've heard from some quarters of corporate America and the tech sector in particular in recent years. Before we start our discussion with our Dean Williams, here's a word from D2L whose support helps us bring you this episode of The Key. This episode of The Key is sponsored by D2L Brightspace, the LMS partner for top institutions around the world. D2L is a global leader with a cloud-based platform that is easy, flexible, and smart. See how you can level up your LMS at www.d2l.com. Now on to our discussion with Ardeen Williams, Vice President of Workforce Development at Amazon. Ardeen, welcome to The Key, and thanks for being here. Thanks, Doug. Amazon just announced a plan to modify and expand its roughly 10-year-old program to educate and train its employees. Can you tell us what the goals were in refashioning the program and how the changes you're making as of early next year will strengthen it? So what we announced on September 9th was an increase in investment. So we're investing $1.2 billion to expand uh, the program. We're the second largest employer in the U.S., and we believe that good jobs comprise three things, a competitive wage, egalitarian benefits for full-time employees from day one, and the opportunity to add skills to experience so that employees can advance their career, whether that's with Amazon, which we hope it is, or whether it's with another employer. And so that $1.2 billion upped our commitment of our Upskilling 2025 initiative to commit to upskill 300,000 employees, which is about a third of our US workforce. Um, And the big changes were really in our career choice program, which is focused exclusively on our hourly associates. And what we did was bookended it. So it was primarily a training people for in-demand jobs in the local community that pay more than we do and puts them on a career path. And we added the ability to complete high school or a GED English as a second language certification. And then on the other side of it, we added fully funded tuition for a four-year degree. And the bookending was designed because you saw sort of gaps in what you were doing before it or holes that you could fill through these additional initiatives. 
yes, and we're focused on customers. Amazon you know, strives to be Earth's most customer-centric company. And in this case, employees are customers. And what we heard from them was career choice is about choice. And our choice has been inside and outside. And we'd like to have additional choice. We employ um, a significant number of uh, folks who this may be their first job uh, or their first job in this country. And so completion of a GED or English language skills is critical. And we know that a, a, a percentage of our participants in career choice already have either some college credit or a college degree. And so making that available was really responding to that, that choice and creating greater options for our employees to succeed. So different employers take different approaches to ensuring that their current and prospective employees have the competencies and knowledge and skills that they need. Some focus mostly on training their own workers internally. Others depend on largely on existing education providers. Amazon, I think, does both. But can you tell us a little bit about how Amazon views that sort of continuum and whether and how that approach has shifted over time? So it is a continuum for us. And I think we run the gamut from the machine learning university, which is graduate level coursework that is predominantly created and delivered by Amazon software development engineers. So that's state of the art machine learning and AI to help keep software development engineers skills current. And again, that's predominantly internal. The Amazon Technical Academy, which is again, predominantly internal, that's a nine month program that uh, trains people regardless of background to uh, thrive and excel as software development engineers, a role for which we typically require a four-year degree. To um, career choice and our military apprenticeship programs, which rely very heavily on external experts, whether they're a community college or a special certificate provider or for-profit trainer. Amazon's decisions about how to educate and train its current and future employees tends to attract attention, in part because, as you just said, it's one of the country's biggest employers and a lot of people want to work there. The people in and around higher education also tend to watch what Amazon and other major employers do because of the signals those actions send about the longstanding role of colleges and universities as the dominant path to employment in the U.S., We've seen more questioning of whether the colleges, universities, and other providers that are part of what I somewhat awkwardly call the post-secondary education and training ecosystem are doing a good job and whether employees are getting workers with the skills and knowledge and competencies they need. I'm curious how you and Amazon look at whether colleges are delivering on that role and how that shapes Amazon's approach to how it views the education and training of its workforce. So I'm a big believer that education and upskilling is a team sport. And that means that we all have to have our shoulder to the wheel to make it work. What's important to us as we've grown in size is um, there are a couple of things. One is scale. And what we find is where you have organizations, for example, we talked about the Greater Washington Partnership Collab, where you have an organization that can convene a larger number of employers with a larger number of higher education providers, you can align on knowledge, skills, and abilities. And we don't get into the tomato, tomato, I need this specific type of calculus. We can actually do the hard work as both employers and educators to say, nope, these are the core critical skills and abilities. And how they get delivered is really up to the experts. So I think it's that the ability to convene so that you do get scale. Some schools are clearly 
more flexible. We see that, and part of that is, you know, two-year schools can clearly be more responsive to business than four-year schools. It's just uh, easier, I think, by nature of the charter that they have. And we also see where you have coordination at the state level from, say, high school to community college to four-year college. So, for example, um, the Arlington uh, Career High School, Northern Virginia Community College, NOVA, and then George Mason University, for example, you have dual enrollment in the first two, and then you have full articulation from NOVA to George Mason. So what you're doing is streamlining, and that requires that coordination of those knowledge, skills, and abilities so that education actually connects that student to a job. How do you view the question of whether the workforce has enough skilled workers, enough people with the right skills? Well, I think where we are right now in terms of the number of unfilled roles, and we can argue and kibitz about why that is, but you can go back and look at Bureau of Labor Statistics forecast for the last 20 years, and they've been very clear that STEM jobs are growing faster than STEM graduates. So this isn't, this is not a revelation. It's not new news. It's a reality. And I think that What's happened in the pandemic is we've seen an acceleration of a shift to digital work, whether it was because or the digitization of work. So, for example, if you have restaurants that couldn't get enough staff, they may have moved to a different platform to run their dining room as they went to takeout. And so that requires a level of digital proficiency. And so what we're seeing is an acceleration of those skills. And I think what we've seen is a, an increase in the mix of, of digital literacy that's required. And as a result, I think that's turned up the contrast in the gap between supply and demand. So, so something of a mis, uh, essentially a, a, something of a mismatch. And, mm-hmm. and so I guess that's, there is a tendency and, and we see this more and more in our society these days of, of finger pointing and, and colleges, a, a lot of employers saying colleges aren't giving us what we need. College folks I talk to who say the employers are moving the goalposts. So, so let's, <laughs> if we can try and put that aside and, and focus on sort of the team sport nature of it, what are the things that you mentioned collab that's obviously an, an attempt to try and bring people together around the common job to be done what do you think is the role of companies like amazon you're obviously funding uh, your employees education and training and that's why we're talking today what about in terms of the signals it sends we've seen some employers eliminate degree requirements to try to sort of send a signal i think i mean i think they're doing it partly because they want to make sure they're looking as broadly as possible at potential employees. But I think there's also some signaling there to try and say, we're not going to only depend on people with degrees. And I think that's a a nod to alternative providers. What has Amazon done on that front? And how do you see the sort of signaling that a company like yours does? You're obviously here funding, as you said, a whole continuum of options for getting people educated and trained. So I think... The signaling piece is is critical. I think that it's important to talk with educators about what you need as an employer. I think that the challenge is it isn't a tick list. I mean, if I take a step back and say what's critical for success in today's writ large at Amazon, I need an employee first and foremost, who's a great cultural fit, who's really curious about solving problems and wants to roll up their sleeves on behalf of customers. 
but I need them to be able to look at a broad array of messy data from a lot of different sources and to be able to glean information from it. So that means that they probably need some level of statistical proficiency. They need to have an understanding of data. They need to be able to discern, sort of see the forest for the trees, and then to articulate a number of potential problems and hone in on what it is, concisely and cogently state what those are, and then assemble a group of people with mixed skills to go solve that problem and then figure out how to align the work. So when I talk about that, it's, hey, I really need people who can do collaborative problem solving, who understand data, and are working in a a multi-skilled project-based environment. Now we have to back up and peel the onion and say, what are the skills, right? It isn't a, I can't go to XYZ university and say, oh, give me these three courses and you will have solved that problem. On the question of is our degrees, you know, going out of fashion, I think that a vast majority of requisitions for Amazon say, or comparable experience or equivalent experience. I think that if we look back to the Great Recession, because there was such a surplus of people who had degrees who were unemployed, it became very easy to simply put a degree onto a requisition and use that as a first stage filter. And we got lazy and it's easy to clone racks and not think about what's in there. But in thinking about diversity of talent and thinking about equity of opportunity, it becomes critical to recognize that people are skilled through alternative routes and to include where you, wherever you possibly can, that statement in your basic qualifications that says, or equivalent experience. This episode is sponsored by D2L Brightspace, the easy, flexible, and smart choice for your LMS. With D2L's powerful learning analytics, top institutions create personalized experiences for every learner to deliver real results and can act in real time to get at-risk learners back on track. Discover how you can level up your LMS at www.d2l.com. We're speaking with Ardine Williams, Vice President of Workforce Development at Amazon. Ardine, you mentioned before we started that you're on the board of visitors of the College of William and Mary, one of the oldest and best known liberal arts colleges in the country. When you think about places like that and the many colleges and universities that have historically been focused primarily on educating for education's sake, and where a lot of the faculty still view their main role that way, How do you square that circle? What's your message to them about what they should be focusing on to give you and other employers the trained and educated workers they need? I have a liberal arts degree, so I'm biased, Doug. Um, I, the, probably the best preparation that I had when I learned a program, because it was called programming then, not coding, and it involved little punch cards, um, (laughs) was logic. So I had to take logic as part of my philosophy core. And that gave me exquisite insight into algorithms and data structure because they're fundamentally logic. So that's one of those things where you look and say, okay, that was in my philosophy core. And yet it prepared me on the STEM side. So I'm a firm believer that if we are engaged as employers with institutions of higher learning, and we have the conversation about what we need, 
then it's for the folks in higher ed who are the pedagogical experts to say, okay, you need someone who understands data structures because they're going to work with algorithms. They need to be able to do data analytics and you want them to be able to write. We're a company that doesn't use PowerPoint, we do prose. And so if I sit down and think about that from a William and Mary perspective, they're greatly positioned to take a very rich and traditional liberal arts background and foundation and perhaps add a couple of pieces on the data side and create a graduate that's exquisitely capable for the jobs of today and the jobs of tomorrow. And a company like Amazon is going to need to have a wide range of people with what seems like it's going to have to be a very wide range of preparatory backgrounds to, to do what it needs to do. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, whether you are a software development engineer or you are a political science major like myself, the ability to look at a problem, to understand the data that supports your thesis, and then to figure out what levers you need to pull to start to work towards resolution, the broader your education base is, the easier that becomes. You still have to be an expert in your domain, right? You can't, you're not going to be able to be a software development engineer if you can't code. But by the same token, it's really tough to be an attorney if you can't write. And so is the, in Amazon's view, ultimately, is education and training something that the company sees it needing to keep giving its people? Absolutely. We think it's part of creating a good job because when you, I think the technology has changed the availability of information. I went to the library. I used the periodic guide to literature to find stuff. I read Microfish. We don't have to do that anymore. You know, we can find on our phone what used to take me, you know, days of research in the library, and I can do it in, the, in a matter of seconds with a Google search. What's important now for employees is that they are able to stay current and get the learning, the education, the training they need in order to advance their career or to tackle a project when they come to it. That may be a small bite-sized certificate. It may be something in the machine learning university, or it may be going to school and completing your degree. But those pathways and the on and off ramps in education are incredibly important because we are in a just-in-time environment. The knowledge has become democratized and very readily accessible because you and I don't have to go to the library anymore to figure out how to solve an equation. That was Amazon's Ardeen Williams. I was struck as I listened to her that our conversation didn't include the usual bombast we heard from a lot of corporate leaders a few years ago about how higher education is failing to turn out graduates with the skills that employers need. That doesn't mean that sentiment has evaporated or that colleges and universities can't do more to make their students workplace ready as well as generally educated. But companies like Amazon seem to once again view this as a shared responsibility and more of them are both stepping up with more money and approaching career readiness as a collaborative effort. That's good news for colleges, for employers, and most of all, for students and workers. We've reached the end of this week's episode of The Key. Thanks to Ardine Williams for her time, to D2L for its financial support, and to all of you for making time to listen. I'm Doug Letterman, and until next time, stay well and stay safe.